Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. My name is Kat, aka Retro Barbie, hashtag bright hair, dark liquor, and I created this space as an invitation for black men to feel empowered to know it's okay that they can cry too. Thank you, Pumla, for joining the conversation. Thank you for having me. We're going to do a shot to the your. To the good yours. To the good yours. To the good peoples. So I wanted to have the both of you here to have this conversation. Being that you both grew up in Harlem, you know, Harlem guys. I just wanted to know what was your experience and how has that impacted you as a black man in America? Um, I guess one is just, I, it's weird because, you know, I was talking about this recently with somebody, but black males in Harlem back in the day they used to like sell drugs or whatever they were doing. And their main focus why they did everything was for what? Their family. And it kind of bugs you out because people will always think well, you did that just to do whatever, you know what I mean? But don't realize it was to provide, you know what I mean? And that kind of mindset kind of has me with the mindset that I do everything for my family. You know what I mean? It's weird. It was funny, like the drug dealers were like the big homies in the yeah. block. Like, Back then. Right. Yeah, like, of course they were selling drugs. It wasn't uh, the same legal things, but like, then we had like carnivals and like mm -hmm. black parties and they paid for everything. Right. So there was a sense of like doing right within the wrong. Right. And like if the, the icy lady pulled up, you know what I mean? All the kids on the block made sure, you know, they got icy because the homie was yeah. gonna pay for everything. Yeah, like get the ice cream truck, couple hundred, like couple hundred head, whatever they want. Like, oh, everybody, it was community. Everybody gotta eat. Everybody needs to be. It's not like that anymore, but it definitely used to be like that. So. And do you think the drug culture went hand in hand with the gang culture in Harlem when you guys were growing up? Um, no, actually not, because I, I think that people. It's so funny, especially like with uh, white media, they always be like uh, the gangbangers, you know what I mean? And it's like gang, like gang culture, drug dealers is two totally different goddamn things, you know what I mean? Just because everything's illegal doesn't really mean they're the same. Right. Like, <laughs> like a jacker may not know how to sell drugs. A person who sells drugs may not have the type of heart that a jacker does. It's two different levels of it that a lot of people really don't. There's levels to this. Yeah, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but it's real life, though. Like, I know these people for real, and they're all different. None of them are the same, you know what I mean? So, murder. Yeah. And they were sometimes all friends. <laughs> they were probably, it was probably part of the same group. Everybody got their job. <laughs> right. But has the gang culture impacted you guys growing up as a black man? Yeah, I mean, it taught you how to be a man, low-key, because you had to know how to move around, you know what I mean? Stranger danger. Yeah, it was like, no one loves the streets of Raymond right. when he was in the summer. Right. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to know, like, throw your hands up, you got to be like... Response time. Yeah. Yeah, you taught you response time, you know what I mean? So now, even when I'm with my kids, I pay attention to my response time. From being a motherfucker in the hood. Yeah, you, you see little things, yeah. but also like you observe more okay. easily. But yeah. plus, like, like knowing these gang members and seeing them, I've come to realize how how to network and be cool enough where I don't have to like really sell drugs with them. But like, just enough respect, like I have individual respect, yeah. and that was important because I feel like a lot of people don't know how to move like that. Either it's all or nothing. You can. These gangbangers will let you be you, just don't try to front on them. What I tell a lot of them now is write your stories. And I know it sounds crazy, but what I tell them is that the culture now wants us 
they want every level of us, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, your stories of you growing up in the hood, being whatever you was, doing whatever you are, look at Snowfall, look at Atlanta, look at all these little shows. I'm like, that's us, that's your real life. I'm like, right like Twitter. Like <laughs> I'm like, you should write these stories down and I might like, really think about creating content. I'm like, I, a lot of them look at me, but when I give them the real motivation, then they look at me again and realize like, oh shit, but you actually did it. Right. So, you know, I try to motivate them now to get the fuck off the corner and make something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like now, like we're building communities, but it's not immediate. It's not like, oh, what you see around the corner. We're building communities like through social media. And we put in like communities with different communities, just like-minded people. Yeah. Communities more of a vague topic, a vague idea, more than more concrete. So that's how we build communities now. Black Twitter. People got black people got businesses that get money from black Twitter. Right. Solely because they built well, all the community. Black Twitter. Yeah, like we like we're real friends. Like I'm uh me and Black Twitter have a love hate thing. You know what I mean? Love hate thing with me, like because you're too, you're too famous. Like, I don't know what yeah. to say out there. Like, I didn't, I didn't reach out. Yeah, like, but you know what it is too, though. It's because a lot of the ones who do the criticizing, I know them before I became this person, and they know I'm gonna smoke your boots if you say the wrong shit. So a lot of them would be like hesitant, Trolling or they don't even, they don't even at me. I catch them. Like, <laughs> like you so tweeted. Like, oh, I caught you a little tweet. You thought I was going to see that shit, huh, motherfucker? Like, you thought I was going to scroll past my I got it. Don't even let that one Like, he watches the show and he, like, he definitely tries to, like, tweet about it, but without adding me. And it's, like, so funny. Uh, he like, sneak tweeting. He sneak tweeting. I didn't know that was a thing until today. Yeah, man. People do that all the time. Oh, niggas get sneak tweeting. Especially if they know. Especially if they know. Get the boot smoke though, you know what I mean? I would yeah. all the smoke and I would smoke a boot, but I'm funny in real life because of Harlem. Because <laughs> that's another Harlem. Because we built like we were Yes. Yo, we, we, we yeah. had to know how to fight yeah. or crack jokes. Crack jokes, one of the things. So, both. a joke will save your life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, get, or get fucked up. Yeah. But you gotta have the jokes though, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't got jokes, it's Yo, gonna be hard have- for you. Like, like jokes or fighting is like the perfect anti-bullying campaign. Yeah, but you gotta also be able to take them too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's that's the thing too. Like builds character, builds character and so strength. Like I know, you know, I'm a skinny little black kid, bro. But I still got wild confidence in myself. Anybody who knows me, I'm extremely confident. Oh, I was light skinned with a peanut head. Like, yeah, these I jokes had to fly. Yeah, had to go. I had to let it go. I had to let it go. So how has the community helped or hindered your views or your growth as a black man? Uh, know what, like looking how people people's view on black men, is having a community makes me appreciate the, my community even more. And seeing like, I know people who sell, sell drugs, they're, they're entrepreneurs illegally, but their attitude, they're going to get it. And then, like, when I was younger, like, we were just talking about them building communities, them creating events, them putting everybody together. It was it was the, the spirit of it. Of course, they didn't know, I didn't know better, but it was the spirit, and that's what I really, like, gravitated towards. Like, be, own, own your block, in a way, like, own, own the people. Like, make the people really care about what you're doing, what you're doing out here. Since you mentioned own the block, you own a business in the community you grew up in. It's rough. What is the relevance and the importance of owning a business and even building a business in the community that you grew up in? You saw that transition, huh? Yes. Yeah. I, I just let it go, huh? All right, so <laughs> one, the main thing is like my shop is on 135th Street and 7th Avenue. 
I'm next to three schools. Oh wow. Three. Um, we finally got some kids to be our interns and want to be tattoo artists, which was that's a really cool. great accomplishment for us. That's cool. And um, that's one of the main things. For I remember being a kid and seeing other people with businesses and stuff like that. So to have them see me. Did you see black people with yes, businesses? Yes, yes, yes. I, I actually did. You know what I mean? In the Bronx. Like, maybe not black, but brown folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, they may have not all been black, but they were brown. You know what I'm saying? And just seeing that, I'm trying to show that, but then I also deal with the stresses of NYPD and then the older generation. Because the older generation sometimes don't get what the younger ones are doing. So they give me a headache and love to call cops because, you know, Hillary Clinton told us that we were predators, right? Yeah. So they still call cops on us and shit. And I had to tell them all the time, like, you can take my phone number, you can call me directly, rather than calling a fucking cop to come into my fucking establishment. And I have to deal with that whole shit, you know? And it's, that's maybe probably my hardest thing. Like, I've been arrested for inciting a riot. Inside uh, of your own business. Yeah. I, it was right around the time of uh, somebody, I, it, one of the deaths, one of the shootings, and uh, the cops came at the wrong time. Like some kid, something happened that had nothing to do with us, but then the cops came and the people just started screaming, fuck the police. And the cop just looked at me. He looked, I, I will never forget it. He looked at me. He said, look what you got me dealing with. Take his ID. Took my ID, they find a warrant from the Bronx in 1998. And this was how recently? Uh, 2017. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. And that's why, if you're from the Bronx or ever been arrested in the Bronx, that's how NYPD will always get you the Bronx. Because the Bronx don't use computers. No. So, what they'll do is say, This is a real thing. This is a real thing. Mad people have warrant. I still probably have a warrant in the Bronx. like this. Um, Shout out to Caesar from Black Ink. You know, we are cool now. Since they just arrested him in Brooklyn, told him he had a, a larceny thing in the Bronx from when he was four years old. What? Like, wait, what? He was doing petty larceny in the Bronx. He was doing petty larceny at four? At four. Oh, he's in the Bronx. Oh, oh he's a big gangster. So that's what tells you how the Bronx paperwork is. You know what I mean? Khalid Browder, we've all seen that story. The Bronx will Even always get you. Situation. Yeah. Right. The Bronx will always get you. So what they'll do is they'll know what I own the business. I'm a business person. I'm on TV. They know all that. But some way, somehow, they will figure out a way to say, if you have a warrant for your arrest in the Bronx, because the Bronx probably didn't put some paperwork in. Or or you look like a sketch, or you look like a suspect. And then that, and then that and that's another part about being in your community and having a business because you still, like Jay-Z said, you still a nigga. Still you know what I mean? Nigga. I'm married, kids, on TV, business owner. Still nigga. Still nigga. They still rolled up on me. Where you going? Flashing lights. Let me see your ID. I've been in that precinct for 10 hours straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, still nigga. Regardless. And the problem is you get frustrated and they look at you like yeah. crazy. I, I broke down into tears because it's like I was doing something good. I was bringing a bunch of kids together to do something to be creative. And I'm in a jail cell with handcuffs on I legit broke down. Who, who, who would have thought like that? Like right. I start the day trying to do something good, end the day lock up. I broke down to like tears. Like only only blackness you can start end your day like that. And that's something that you guys have to wake up with as well. Yeah. I can leave my house today and not return. Yeah. 
legit. We, we, we have to be, we have to accept the fact that we could be the example. And it's even scarier, honestly, with me because I'm a public figure. So I fear even more because it's like, he can low-key be a fan. I've seen like the most oddest detectives that you would least expect are fans. So we discussed how you feel around police and a little bit of their perceptions of you. In general, how do you feel society views you? Uh, society views me as like a crazy person. I know this for a fact. They think that I'm some really like angry, crazy person, which is like far from the truth. How do you know that for a fact? Because this is what everybody says to me. When I'm walking down the street, they say, don't do nothing crazy now. I'm looking at them like, I've seen it. Think <laughs> <laughs> that I'm naturally going to do something crazy. So, you know, that's people's, like, people's perception of me. And how do you respond when you're perceived in this way or when people approach you on the street and say that to you? I tell them, what makes you think I'm doing something crazy? <laughs> and then um, I just let them know that I'm really a cool, relaxed person, you know what I mean? And um, explain to them how television sometimes makes people see people, I guess, in a certain way rather than who they actually are. Or sometimes people on TV present something for you and hold something back for themselves. So, you know. So you engage in dialogue with everyone that brings your perception? I try to engage in dialogue with anybody who really runs up on me. It's really hard, but I try to because um, I remember being younger and I worked in a Virgin Mega store and meeting celebrities, you know what I'm saying? And um, R.I.P. Robin Williams, super nice person, most deaf, dickhead. Really? I'm actually surprised by that. No, he had a security guard talking for him to me. He wouldn't speak. Legit. He wanted to own people. Yeah. Spike Lee, super cool. That's a nice guy. You know what I'm saying? It's, I seen that and I remember when I was younger, I always said that if I ever became famous, I would be cool with everybody. And it's really hard to do. But I pretty much try pretty, well, pretty, pretty good at it. So you had mentioned being on TV and these perceptions of you when people come up to you. How do you um, take that stereotyping to heart? Like, do you consider changing your appearance? Do you consider changing the way that you speak? Does that ever affect your mindset? It's never been about how I speak. I think that's like one of the one thing people love is, you know, how I speak. But the look thing, I did the look thing on purpose, you know, um, I think around the time when I started on television, that's like the fake body era started, and everybody was like fake. And um, I wanted to be some really authentic, real human being, like a real New York City starving artist. This is me, you know what I'm saying? And um, a lot of people accepted it, a lot of people didn't. But I didn't really care, because it's me. You know what I mean, I'm very comfortable with my skin. Like I always say, I'm pretty awesome. So what type of message are you trying to give out to the youth as well as your peers when it comes to your brand, when it comes to your appearance, as well as when it comes to your business? You can do anything. If uh, legit every day, every morning when I drop my child off, the words are, you can do what? Anything. She legit, her favorite song is Nice by Jay-Z and Beyonce. Legit her favorite song. Um, Anybody who's in my space, in my circle, they'll tell you I'm the most motivating person there is. And I always tell them, if I can do it, you can do it. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's all about making people believe in themselves. One of my friends said it 
best to me. Sometimes I see lights in people that they don't see in themselves. So I try to make sure I open that up. You know, some people don't see it. Like, you can do that. So I try to motivate motherfuckers to do it because shit, who wants to be their own rich friend? Everybody wants to have brother rich friends around them and shit. So you motherfuckers better get money. Well, I'm out. So let's talk about the relationship you had with your father growing up. Uh, I did not have a relationship with my father growing up. Um, the one thing I remember, he gave me one of those 50 cent coins. Oh, where's like, that? The coin, like mm-hmm. the JFK one. Yeah, that's the only thing I, okay. yeah, that's the only thing I remember of him. So what's the status of your relationship now? Uh, he might be dead for all I know. I personally, we all I know is his name is Paul. Hence, my name is Paul. So you're a junior? Not really, but kind of. Yeah, we don't have the same last name. Oh, okay. My mom was one of those people. Like, no, he's on my last name. Uh, she was one of those. I'm going to be one of those nightbrows yeah. so with your mom. Yeah, but uh, no, no, but don't be. Because then that kind of messes up too at the same time. Because see... That's what I saw, like, that was my father, but what I saw as a kid, I grew up, my mom shipped me away to a family's house, and I grew up in, like, a suburban black community. In New York, right? Um, Rockland County, New York. Okay. Spring Valley, shout out to everybody in Spring Valley, Rockland County. I was up there for, like, five years of my life. What time frame, what age Um, seven to twelve, I'm gonna say. Yeah, seven to twelve. I was up there, and, um... Legit, the whole block, all black families, married couples, kids, own the house. I used to go hang out at my friend's house, you know what I mean? My family that was up there, married couple, black family, homeowners. So as a kid, I saw this. This is something that I, while most kids were still in the hood, in the projects, there was a brief moment in my life where I was living in suburbia. And I seen black suburbia. Something that a lot of people have never seen before, you know what I mean? Like legit, whole to, to this day. There's no, it, it exists. If you go to Spring Valley, certain other places, there's whole neighborhoods where all black families live, you know what I mean? Everybody has their own home, the neighborhood is clean, it's not some hood shit. And I've seen that, and that was always the, I want that. You know what I mean? I want my family to be like my friend's family, you know what I mean? It never was to be like my family, it was to be like my, these people's family, you know what I mean? So. That was always my motivation. That's why I am the father that I am. But I still have problems, I feel, sometimes. You know what I mean? As like a man to your woman, you know that shit. I'm not perfect. So, you know, it has moments. How would you say growing up in black suburbia as well as growing up without having a relationship with your father has impacted you being a father today? And you're a father of two, correct? Yes, uh, two beautiful kids, girl and boy. Um, I don't feel like my father's impact on my life affects how I am a father now because I never wanted to be like him. I feel like the fathers that I saw from the regular working suburban father to the super hood drug dealing father in Harlem, they all just had the same MO, which is by any means necessary, take care of my kids, you know, and that's how my mindset is, you know, like by any means necessary. If I have to put him on a parachute, and jump out this window, but I know I'm gonna get a million dollars for my babies, I'm doing it. By any means necessary, you know, so that's just me. Do you think raising a boy is different than raising a girl? And what are the differences that you're facing being a black father with black uh, 
in today's society? I feel like it's so much harder with the girl, but it's just as hard with the boy. I feel like my son is two days before me. His birthday is February 11th, mine is February 13th. Aquarius. Aquarius. So I feel like with him, I got it. It's not going to be that hard with him because he's going to have what I did, which is me. But with my little girl, my Tamia, that's like my fear because she's a beautiful little girl. She's a sweetheart. You know, she she's never been through no traumas. You know what I mean? Life has been really awesome to her. So I fear for her because life is going to come at her aggressive. And it's like, I don't know when to kick in the traumas. Like, you know, life is fucked up. And I tell her about stuff, but I don't think she doesn't have that life. You know what I mean? She's seven and life has been great. You know, so... Right. At seven, I didn't have her life. You know what I'm saying? So I fear for her because I feel like she has it a little too good. That's an interesting point that you bring up that I don't think a lot of us think about. How are you going to teach her the realities of growing up black in America? That part, I feel like, is the easier part of being black in America because I think that she understands already. Like, my daughter's light skin, you know what I'm saying? But she tells everybody she's brown. So she gets it because she sees her father, you know what I mean? Like she's, I feel like she looks at me and how I carry myself, my hair and all, and uh, she knows about her being a black woman, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I think that she's in, treat, in tune with that. And also she's a Virgo. So sooner or later the Beyonce and her uh-huh. going to freaking come out. Sasha Pierce. Yeah, I'm not like, I feel like she understands that part. My thing is just, I'm scared of how life is going to come at her because she's beautiful and I know there's going to be some guy like me that's going to come and may not be good in the beginning and I have to learn that because I'm not a perfect man I don't want nobody ever I feel like people see me as a person on TV who got married on television they put me on a pedestal a perfection like I'm the perfect guy for relationship goals and shit and you don't want my relationship goals I'm not that person to have the same goals as because I deal with traumas I you know what I mean? I've made mistakes. My wife definitely be yelling at me. So it's like, I just want her to know, my daughter, just to realize, like, it's going to be okay. You know, not all guys are good, but if you find a good one, keep hold it around, on. hold on to them. And, but at the same time, don't rush. Live your life experience. And that's my main thing. I want to teach both my kids is to experience life. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like most of us were taught just to get a job, be regular rather than actually experiencing and traveling while you see all these other kids and other cultures who travel the planet before they even consider getting a real job. While us most black kids, as soon as we get out of high school, we're looking for a job because our parents tell us we gotta get the fuck out. And I don't want my kids to think like that. I want them to really experience life, like learn, find out what you love, you know, and Remember that you're a super awesome black person. So, you know, I mean, people are going to gravitate towards you, but then people are also going to treat you different and be ready for that. But I think that also they've seen a lot of people who gravitate towards me, so I think they're prepared for that. Like, my daughter's really, she's seen it more than my son. My daughter was born on TV, so she watched everything. So she knows how to, her first question always is, do you know that person? Whenever they come up to you. Whenever they come up to me, that's the first question. Do you know this person? That's all I know. So then she knows how to react. She stays really close to me. Yeah, 
it's because she it's it's kind of weird that she's kind of grew up in a new social media fame era. She grew up in it. She's like a prime example. Example, of it. yeah, a <laughs> child of it. So that's like that's another part of my fear because what's going to happen when she grows up? All this shit is still going to be excelling with her, basically. And it's out there, you know. So yeah. How are you teaching the both of them to basically grow up like you, being black and authentic? And well, my son was only seven months, but you know what I mean? My bad Ranger, he's only seven months, so he got time. I just want him to play for right now and go to sleep. Just play and go to sleep. That's I it. think the go to sleep part is probably the, the main part. part please, is to go to please, sleep. Please, I want to go to sleep. Just go to sleep. But uh, but my daughter, I feel like she, it, it's not even just, honestly, it's not even just about me, it's about the village, you know what I mean? Like I, her godmother, Sassy, she's a very earthy, likes to grow her own foods and all that. My daughter grows plants with her godmother. That's so dumb. Um, I have other people I can send her to, my aunt, you know what I mean? She's a Buddhist. It's not just me. So it takes the village. So it's about all of us coming together to help. Getting different elements and different Yeah, things. yeah, that, that's what helps. Because she's, she's a, a female, you know what I mean? That's, but so much I can tell her that a woman needs to tell her, you know? And that's the things I always say. That's why I have a nice core of women that talk to her. So I think that'd be okay. And they're all black women too on top of that. So it makes Key it important. Awesome. Yeah, it makes it awesome. Is there anything that you want to leave the good folks with? Uh, Definitely keep watching VH1's Black Ink Crew New York uh, every Wednesday 9 p.m. VH1, shout out to them good people over there. Uh, Art to Ink Studios in Harlem, 135th Street and 7th Avenue, Harlem, USA. Pull up to the shop, uh, can't miss it, it's always good vibe. And uh, put my 213 on all social media platforms, I'm outside, you know what I mean? Holla at me, I-U-F-O-N-Y. I'll add them. Support black business. Support black business. You know what I mean? Black business Saturdays. That's a legit thing. I definitely try to do that. And what are three songs that you guys use to express yourself for whatever mood that you're in? Alright, so we'll get in my bag. Okay, here. Right. I'm getting my bag. Alright, okay. let's get comfortable. One song we'll pick is a classic, it's an old school, like, like real old, Teddy. Hey, Teddy. Oh, yeah, Teddy, Teddy. My man Theodore. Okay. Harold Love and the Blue Notes with okay. Teddy singing Pretty Flower. That's a good one. Yeah, he was, he was really in his bad bag. The two, Neo Closer. Okay. That's random. Oh. Because they're in your house like, hey, oh, 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 that song gets me every time. Okay, but, you, but you, it feels good. Okay. And that's what will lead me to the third I got some other music for you if you like shit like that. But, that, but that's what will lead me to the third one. Okay. Hove and Ye Otis. What? my job and I worked by City Field. Okay. So it was a boardwalk. Okay. And I worked like six o'clock shifts. Okay. So around five, five fifteen in the morning, I have to walk this entire boardwalk. I hate this fucking job and I needed a reason to actually clock in. Neil Closer and Otis got me to clock oh, in. Oh okay. Got Otis. Like it it, it it tied together now. It it it, it got me closer. It, it got me not to whip niggas asses. Like, it really, that is a real thing. It got me to six months where I could quit and claim unemployment. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it, 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 it means something to me. Okay. So, yeah. Recognize energy. Vibrations. All right. Um, I'm going to go Hove and Jay-Z. I mean, 
Hov and uh, Kanye with you, but I'm going to do New Day. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Make sure my son never grows up with uh, ego. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to do Nice by Jay-Z and Beyonce because that's my daughter's song, and she really likes that song a lot. And I'm going to do Sending My Love, Jeanne. Ah, my man. You know what I'm saying? That's what I love is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like a little classic thing that we did. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I listen to the new people, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Gunner in that hot song, you know what I'm saying? I get into the vibes of the youth. The money, the baby smoker shit. The baby, I like the baby. Hot smoke? Baby. Maybe don't shut the broke Baby, that's hot smoker. And any nigga that pretty much is named or says baby in his verse is kind of like I'm just giving Pop. Possible can't get arrested before 2020. Nah, not not before the nine or wave come out. Because yeah. you know, man, I'm tired of seeing New York rappers getting arrested. They get arrested as soon as they pop. Like, Except Davies. He's the only one. Because he ain't pop enough. Oh. You know, like. You know, that note. Thank you guys for having us. It was a pleasure. And you can find us on the social medias at BlackmanCry2, T O O, and follow the hashtag, hashtag BlackmanCry2, T O O. And we out. What's up? It's your girl at RetroBarbie92, the founder of hashtag BlackmanCry2, T O O. Follow us. Have you ever been hit with that late night text or that late night slide? You know the saying, stay ready so you never gotta get ready. The crop mop ball wipes are perfect for any time an opportunity strikes. So you should always be prepared. Head over to manscaped.com, use code BLACKMENCRY2, T-O-O, to get 20% off and free shipping. Make your balls a priority this fall. Your balls and your partner will thank you.